Hi, listener. It's Matt from The Empod. And this week, we're not putting one of the funny excerpts from the podcast at the beginning. I thought I'd just have a, a serious conversation with you about taking care of ourselves because the three of us on this episode are feeling not quite ourselves. And having listened back to it through the edit, I realised how lucky and fortunate I am to have friends and to have people that I can speak to that are aware of your troubles and and can just listen and you can share with each other. Now, you probably won't have a podcast with two lovely people like Tim or Tara and Brian and Joe. And I guarantee you, if you're feeling despaired and isolated, there's somebody that's thinking about you and they'd want to know that you're feeling like that. So if there's one thing that we take away from today's episode, if we can have only one person that reaches out and they make the first step to making themselves feel better, then, then, then there is a point to it all. So I'm going to put some phone numbers in the episode description as well. And hopefully you'll be back to feeling like your regular self. And we're, we're all a little bit better now. We certainly, <laughs> it was certainly a, a moment for us all for completely different reasons, but then with the same outcome. So there's always somebody that knows what's what's happening. So, okay, guys, we've still done a really good episode and uh, I hope you enjoy it. So I guess over, over to us a couple of weeks ago. Enjoy. Films and sometimes we talk about music and sometimes we talk about sport, but not very often because Leicester lost yesterday. But we don't talk about that in public anymore. Um, except for that, yeah, we do all your your favourite pop culture touch points. I'm one of your regular co-hosts, Matt. Welcome aboard to the end. If you're listening to us on one of your favourite listening locations, then you can also find us on YouTube as the end. One shots. We're also on Twitter and Instagram as the end underscore pod. Thank goodness that's out the way. Now I can take a deep breath and say, "Hello, Tim. How are you? Thank you for being here with me." It's a pleasure to be here. I'm um, never better. It's one of the great uh... <laughs> days of my life. <laughs> <laughs> it's great to see you guys. <laughs> oh, dear listener, I'll, I'll, I'll come clean at some point. Good <laughs> uh, And the third part of this ramshackle group of <laughs> commentators today, you're part of the extended MPod family, one of our dearest friends. 
It's Tara. Tara, hello. How are you? Good, good morning. I'm just as wonderful as Tim is and happy to be here with both of you this morning. We are three miserable cunts today. I think there's no two ways. Yes, we are. <laughs> I think that's fair. Talking of which, what are we talking Oh my God. Uh, <laughs> uh, and what indeed are we going to be talking about today? Well, it's part two of our Neil Gaiman month. By now, hopefully, if you'd be able to listen to this, then the Soundland episode's already edited and uploaded. So that'll be that'll be a good start. And <laughs> if you want to go and find out, I'm sure it's available on wherever you're listening now. Today is part two. It's 1602. It's an eight-part mini-series from 2003. Now, Tim, this story has quite an interesting backstory. Would you like me to tell it to hmm. me how it came Would to you, me? please? Please, please do. If Tarby doesn't I love his history, I love history yeah. lessons. Yeah, me too. I can't tell if he's being sarcastic or not. Is he being sarcastic? No, I think he is. <laughs> <laughs> he's not. All oh, right, it's just... A, usually I can tell, but he, he's just a, a an expressionless shadow. <laughs> just a shell. <laughs> yeah, he's just a, a husk of a man that once was Tim. <laughs> So, Tim, so, Tim, you'll be happy to know we have to go all the way back to 1958. Whoa. 1958. Really? Yeah. And this wow. was when, this is when the rights to the Shazam comic in the UK expired and they came up with the absolute Xerox, and they called that Xerox Miracle Man. It was one of the best-loved characters and series in UK comics. However, Tim, in 1963, the rights lapsed. Oh, again? In 1963. Jesus. Fucking free for all. And then in 1982, Alan Moore revived the character and the proprietary litany started. Oh, Somehow, by hook or by crook, Tom McFarlane acquired the rights and integrated the Miracle Man character and his coterie of villains and acquaintances into the Spawn universe. And in the early 1990s, oh, wow. the early 1990s, Tim, so we're getting a little bit closer to where we need to be. Neil Gaiman was invited by Todd McFarlane to write a few issues of Spawn. And he creates characters that you might well know is not being born characters anymore, Angela, who is now mm. at Marvel Comics, and Medieval Spawn. Now, what happens thereafter is Todd McFarland says that Neil Gaiman only worked for him is artist for hire, work for hire. So he didn't yeah, hold any of the that. yeah, so he didn't hold any of the rights to his new creations. Oh. But Todd McFarlane Todd McMotherfucking Farlin starts making toys of these characters. And Gaiman's like, come on, man, some of that money's got to be mine. I made Angela, now you're making sexy toys for middle-aged men. Yeah. You fucking pervert. I want some of that perv money. Yeah. <laughs> Gaiman, what is perv money? <laughs> 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 and in 2003, Marvel reach out to Neil Gaiman mm -hmm. and they say, Neil, 
We understand what's going on. We don't like Todd McFarland either. He's a fucking asshole. If you come and write a story for us, if you come and write a story for us, we'll fight this for you. We've got a team of solicitors and we'll get you your Perth money. And so oh, Neil, really? Gaiman, Neil Gaiman said, I'll do it. And they said, <laughs> oh, I want to do this. And he got the rights back for Angela. And he got the rights back for the medieval spawn character. And in exchange for that, do you know what he did with them? He sold them what? straight to Marvel. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't even want them. It was a matter of principle. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to fuck with McFarlane. He wanted to shove his finger right up his bum hole. <laughs> That's what he wanted to do. He wanted to fucking pick him up by his gooch and throw him at the pins. <laughs> but... <laughs> oh, dear. 16... Okay, so have you grasped that 1602 was that comic that he wrote for Marvel? Yes, I got it. Yes. God, thank goodness for that. That was... I'm exhausted, guys. Would it kill what a history you? lesson. You could have chipped in, couldn't you? You could have whooped and cheered. Oh, no, there was whooping and cheering, wasn't there? I felt oh. invigorated by your contributions. <laughs> <laughs> I was hanging on every turn of that. Yeah. Honestly. Well, I tried to drag it out of it. I was trying to give it a little bit of gravitas. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's how Neil Gaiman's 1602 came about. I did not know that. Commanders. Yep. So, general thoughts on this. I thought it was fine. Yeah. Pretty good. Kind of thought it was a little bit busy. There's a lot of characters in there, and there's not a lot for everyone to do. And so I think some characters got short shrift. Some others got a lot of play. Feel like I wanted to enjoy it more than I actually yeah. did. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah that yeah, makes like a lot a, of sense. Yeah, I'm that. yeah, yeah. I like Neil Gaiman from his novels, so this was my first foray into his graphic novels stuff. And yeah, I wanted it to be a little more there than it was. I don't know how to explain it, but it, it's like Tim said, it's a little busy. So there were a lot of times I was expecting things to happen because I saw a name that I knew, and it yeah. didn't. I felt like they needed a libretto. Yeah. So I should mm. probably give a little brief description of what it is. It's basically the mm. Marvel Universe in the year 1602, which is a cultural and historic pinch point. It is the end of Elizabethan England. And we have King James, the Scottish king, who has lineage. He's the next in line to the English throne. Is we have the Spanish Inquisition and we have all that treachery and deceit of the age. I'd be happy to finish the podcast there because that's all this is really. Yeah. Just a big analogue. Yeah. I thought it conceptually really appeals to me. You know, it's a what if story. Right, a big basically. what if. Yeah. And that time period is really interesting. I love one-off story that you said people in the past or in the future, especially the past, because you can use yeah, the yeah. costuming, all the, the buildings, the, the cobblestone streets, all that stuff is so, I think, fun to read about. So conceptually, like, I was on board. Like, I was, I went into it thinking like, yeah, this is going to be right up my street. 
Mm-hmm. I was really, really patient with it. This massive, massive pacing problem. The first, couple of, issue, when, the first couple of issues when they're introducing everybody, it's just, here's another person, and here's another person, and here's another person, and here's another person, with like a slightly misspelt name, which was actually, I thought, mm-hmm. quite canny, because I did the research, I read that the English language wasn't really codified until the 19th century, and a lot of written was just how it was uh, phonically said. And because of the okay. difference in the classes, names would be spelt very differently depending on who was speaking or writing. Oh, so the, the kind of misspelt names in that, I thought were, I, I know it was a bit of the pastiche of the comic, but, and to be fair to Gaiman, he'd have his things that he does well and his fingers are di- still deeply in this, but I felt that the first couple of issues were almost like an editorial imposition of immediate and succinct identification of the characters. When we read Sandman last week, and I suppose it's only <laughs> going to be right that we do start comparing to the ones we've already, that trusted, very much trusted the audience to get it. And it trusted mm-hmm. you to, there's a new character in here, we're not going to say very much, but you're going to see who they are by their actions in the succeeding issues. Whereas this was very much, here's Daredevil, here's your Fantastic Four, and then the story Here really gets... <laughs> Yeah, exactly right. Exactly right. And I have to say, the last couple of issues, I was getting really frustrated with it. The middle part was great. The actual build-up of the sort of assembling the the gang to, you know, the, the plucky heroes to... Magneto is basically the head of the Inquisition, isn't he? And uh, Doom is... Is Doom... Doom's... Is Doom the King of Scotland? Yeah, uh, different country, La- La- not La- Latvia, but something like that. Oh, Latvia, yeah, Latveria. It, it must be. It, so, but they—they're basically want to get rid of the the mutant scourge, don't they? So, mm-hmm. yeah. Sir Nicholas of Fury is assigned the task of going to Carl's Avier. <laughs> <laughs> to find these filthy mutants, the witch breed, as they're being called, and to get there before the Scots or the Inquisition get there. So he can say, look, you need to surrender and I'll make sure everything's all right. But if you fight, a lot of people are going to die here. God, I've really trying to force things to say about this. Oh my god! There's just a lot of plot. There's a lot of yeah. That's that's sorry. Yeah, to get back onto it, that middle bit because of the machinations and the espionage, that was a really solid spy story. Do you know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. and it had this Mm -hmm. cinematic feel about it. You know, with the twists and turns and the the sort of race against time and who's going to get there first and and this clear villainy and and protagony. And that middle bit was great, but. After that, and the whole like Steve Rogers being a man out of time, and did you realize like Rohir, Roger, Roger, like it was spelled yeah. like, and and that's it. And I know mm. I'm mixing up different points of view on this, but I got to a point where I was so bombarded with characters, you can't be that obvious with the introduction and the naming of characters, and then have some reveals. It feels like you're 
have like both sides of the page with that. So you have mystery around identity, but then you have very clear and present identity at the beginning. By the end of it, I was like, I don't fucking care, to be honest with you. Yeah, great that Steve Rogers, instead of him going forwards in time, he was sent back in time, and he's going to cause this great collision of times, and it's going to end the world if they don't find this. But are we rescuing the mutants, or Dean's got the Fantastic Four? Very smartly, Johnny was, was he held underwater or something, so he couldn't ignite? Ben Grimm was in a hole. That was smaller than he was, so he oh, couldn't break true. out yeah. of it. Reed was, he was doing the wishes of Doom because then no harm would come to come to them as long as he was helping mm. them out. And it was like, well, which is the fucking story? Yeah. You know, sort of man out of time, the last couple of issues, I was like, will you just fucking end? <laughs> I honestly got to the seventh issue. Let's just get to the there's an eight issue, which obviously makes yeah. sense. <laughs> what fucking series finish on seven? But I was like, oh my God. And it took so long to read. This is only like a normal trade, like a maxi series. Yeah. It's not 12. It took so long, so long. Each issue was like at least a half an hour job. Yeah. Easily, yeah. One of the positives, well, let's not, Pile on to it, because it's fine, as Tim said. It's worth a read. Mm-hmm. If, if you want to see what Neil Gaiman could do with 1602, or indeed, if, if you watched What If Season 2, which was out over Christmas, there was a very good animated version of 1602, and you wanted to find the source material, oh, really? I'd say go for Yeah, I, I watched it again this morning, because I completely forgot about it. I think I must have slept through it. But yeah, it's good. What Gaiman does well, and I think there's parallels between Sandman and this is that he still might manages to combine that historic fact and fiction especially the way like Murdoch spoke it was quite verbose at times and and there was the arrangement of stanzas in the way that he communicated with people and the way that he combined the actual history of the of 1602 was it 1605 where Guy Fawkes blew up the Houses of Parliament also, the way that King James of Scotland was portrayed as a bit of a drunkard and a homosexual. Mm. And maybe, you know, the <laughs> history's first obvious <laughs> version of, no, you're gay. <laughs> no, you're, no, you're gay. <laughs> are, are, are you gay? <laughs> he was persecuting the mutants as well, wasn't he? That he was like closeted mutant when he became King James, that his Bible was one of the first to illicitly say that, you know, man shall not lie next to man. It's not that I'm any sort of historical scholar, but if I can repeat one thing from another podcast, it's going to be that James was a puster. Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, You're right. It was 1605, by the way. It was, yeah. So, uh, oh, was it? Yeah. Nailed it. That's what I said, wasn't it? Nailed it. Yeah. Yeah, how you've read more gaming than certainly me and, and, and Tara. Do you think this is in keeping with his style? I think conceptually it's definitely in his kind of wheelhouse. There are certain things about it were certainly gaming esque. There's there's that connection to like 9-11 that he points out in, in some yeah, of the commentary. Yeah, yeah, yeah and yeah. so 
he talks about how you know we're not going to use like bombs and guns and bullets or whatever and so yeah. i thought that was kind of interesting because by stripping that stuff away the, the sort of artifice of the of the hero the actual hero yeah. genre and stripping that all away but the characters themselves retain their essence when they're completely out of space and time in a completely unfamiliar world and that's very yeah. game and like you know yeah. to have characters interact with the world it's completely foreign to them but to, to retain some of their essence or humanity or, or something like that and so i think that's very much a game and type of theme yeah he intentionally avoided trauma in this he said september yeah. 11th happened and while i was certain of what i wanted i suddenly knew what i didn't want i didn't want to write that might meant right or that might meant anything Mm -hmm. so yeah you've hit the nail on the head there and it was a very dark time I mean this was two years afterwards if that maybe yeah there was an overwhelming darkness across even comics and comics have been getting that way since the Brit invasion with Mark Millar and Frank Miller everything had gone dark for a certain amount of time with like disassembled and House of M and you have all the crisis events where you know heroes are killing heroes and and yeah gaming said no he felt more of a responsibility to lighten people as opposed to adding to the darkness i think if that's not just completely copying what tim just said less eloquently changing it's the not. words and saying it back <laughs> no, to no. <laughs> I think it's... it sounds new to me yeah <laughs> it's a riff it's a riff on what it's I... a riff yeah there you go okay what did you think of all the different characters i remember feeling like kind of excited like you said about the spelling of roger's name rogier the <laughs> i was feeling clever with myself because i was like oh that's probably rogers you know uh, and even javier i was thinking did they say it job javier because we said <laughs> xavier so yeah, i don't know but xavier. um yeah yeah exactly that was cool but um I tell you who's yeah, got on my think... tits though, Tara. Um, uh -oh. Whatever it's <laughs> Matthew Murdoch. I don't know. You know how I feel about it. I think Daredevil's got some of the most intriguing and involving stories, but I can't stand the character. Like the comics mm -hmm. are great. Yeah. But I just don't like the character. I think he's an absolute shit bag. <laughs> <laughs> and in this, they just, I don't know. It just felt like it was like a clown just from page to page, you know, like the silly man that was just singing mm -hmm. and dancing and prancing all the way through it. I mean, it's nice to see him not being an absolute twat, but I mean, at the same time, like, <laughs> take yourself seriously, Matthew. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and again, getting back to that with the um, Roger and the, no, it wasn't even, like, I can't, I still don't even know who Thor was. I don't know where Thor came from. I thought, yeah, that was is it, weird too. This is just Deus Ex Machina here. Thor just appeared, but then the, the actual artifact that they were looking for to stop the the world-ending event, it was a staff which was Mjolnir. And then was there an old I couldn't and, and that was the thing, having some of the characters candidly identified and some of them left clandestine, it confused me. I was still don't know where Steve Rogers came from. I don't know where Thor came from. I know there was a little white-haired girl with the big guy. Was the big guy was Roger, wasn't he? And then I was like, is this Colossus? And I was trying to, and then I was all constantly trying to work out who I was like, is this Colossus and um Ileana? And then 
I was kind of, it was distracting me from the story. Either give us everything or take everything off the table. Because this constant fucking guessing. Because now you're making me think it's important to the story that I should be twigging on to who these people are that you've not identified succinctly. That was my biggest frustration, Tara. I felt a little jarred by that too. Like sometimes when I was trying to grasp what was going on, a name would drop in the middle and make me feel like, wait, well, maybe I was thinking about it wrong. Do you know what I mean? Like I can't quite put it all together. Like it seemed like every time he mentioned the analog for Peter Parker, I was like, wait, what? Yeah. I don't I don't know what it was about that character in particular, but every time he mentioned it, I was like, that's gotta be important because it's Peter Parker. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Because they kept names not. like they kept uh, name checking him. I felt about the constant fake outs with the spiders and Peter Parkois. <laughs> <and> very irritated. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of like instead of just fucking ending, it was like one of them just fucking bites him already. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. Yeah. It reminded me of like the mechanical spiders we talked about last week. Oh yeah, Just like, yeah, gotta, yeah, you gotta get it in, you know. Yeah, there's a guy that's a really camp guy on British TV called David Williams. I don't know if you ever saw Little Britain, and then they did Little Britain. Oh yeah, to used to watch that. Yeah, David Williams, the tall bloke. He does the X Factor panel shows and that kind of thing, and he's always like dead flirty with the men and can't really camp it up. Williams is his persona, whereas the actual bloke is David Williams, but he actually changed his name because he thought it sounded comic. <laughs> what a nana. <laughs> now, it just gets to the point where, like, he's he's had a string of beautiful women as his partners, and when he's camping it up, I'm like, it's been 20 years, David. Suck a dick or shut up. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, fucking gobble some, gobble some cock or just leave us out of it. It's just draining every single time. <laughs> just fucking, I, just fucking bite Peter. <laughs> Spiders, right, left, and center. Pun intended, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the whole Matt Murdock origin was bizarre. Like it was unnecessary. He goes into a cave as a child and there's some glowing green stuff which he eats and then (laughs) inexplicably, yeah. Yeah, because that's what you do. I mean, I know kids, but he wasn't like a baby. He wasn't a baby type. It's like a teenage mutant ninja turtle. Yeah. yeah, So he eats the green and then the story stops and then he's daredevil on the next page in bed. He's an in bed daredevil. (laughs) A lot like me, who yeah. is a daredevil in bed. <laughs> uh, I believe it. Uh, <laughs> relatable. I think it's relatable. <laughs> there was a Spider-Man spin-off series, was there at some point? I know there was a 16... 16- in the last Secret Wars, one of the spin-offs was in this universe, but I think it was a later date, probably so they didn't have to pay game and um game and royalties, I imagine. But who knows? I, I can't imagine it had been written by him. I think you could easily use this as your sandman training wheels, you know, the combining of historical facts and fiction and mythology and all that kind of yeah, thing. Mm-hmm. If you didn't want to intimidate somebody with Sandman immediately, so just give this a go. If you got on well with this, then then you'll you'll be well set for Sandman. That's what I'd say. 
that would work for me, I think. I would second that. So the sixteen oh two spinoffs, Fantastic Four, Spider Man, and Angela. Ooh. By the way, Angela. Oh, Queen excuse of... me. And then sixteen oh two New World. New Worlds. There's four. Okay. Two thousand five. It's by Greg okay. Pak. Okay, so sixteen oh two. That's where. That's the Angela one. Apparently. The one that came immediately afterwards in all the all different Angela Queen of Hell. Beautifully drawn, very, very strong story as well. It's really good. <laughs> I don't know what the lead up was, and there is obviously a lot of context to the story, but it's Angela going to hell to save her girlfriend. And oh, it's wow. and it I just it's just action and excitement page to page. The second arc gets wrapped up too quickly. They completely change it from this fantasy epic sort of scale. And then it's Angela and a girlfriend trying to adjust to everyday life. You know, the sort of fish out of water story. Mm. And that was fucking terrible, Tara. Don't even bother. Oh, was it? Oh, okay. Don't even bother with that one, G. That's what I'd say. (laughs) (laughs) Right on, G. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Groove it. <laughs> so I got no more to say of you, Tara. I don't have a lot more to say. Just I, I like I said, I wanted to like it so much more than I really did like it. But it wasn't bad, bad. It just to be honest, when I found that page in the back where it explained who everybody was and how they fit together, if they had just slapped that in the front, I would have been so much less grumpy. Uh, it lost me already by then. I was like, yeah, great. Right. Yeah. Yeah. When I stumbled over this, I was like, "Whoa!" If I had just seen that before, I was tired of turning pages. That would have been really yeah. good. There was a good six-issue story here that was mm-hmm. out of context, and you you just let it flow, and you just aware of who the characters are through existing knowledge without the explanation, without mm-hmm. the time tra- travel stuff. There was a solid story, or there's enough content in this for it to be like a thirty to fifty-issue series, enough for a a decent omnibus. It's both too little and too much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And ongoing on this universe would be cool, I think. Yeah, I'd like that. Because it feels like yeah, this could be like a, a tidy little origin story that then spun yeah. out. The initial interest was to grant Neil Gaiman his own kind of like ultimate sort of thing and put it together. But I mean, mm. he, he seems to have, he lost his drive quicker than we did (laughs) (laughs) yeah right so as we say on this podcast you can't seven out of ten read something you either read it or you don't so tim will you be recommending this i would still recommend this because my view of it is in comparison to other game and stuff you know but if you just put it in the pantheon of an ordinary marvel comic miniseries and i thought i think it's good and it's kind of fun the concept's fun and it's kind of neat to see all the characters you know back in time you know in 1602 it's kind of i think fun so i i think it's i think it's worth reading okay i'm gonna be controversial for a change um i Mm. I don't think i would unless Mm. somebody gave me the cheat sheet in the beginning And that's a lot to ask for. And that's and I really struggled with not wanting to say that because I really like Neil Gaiman. I just, you shouldn't need a cheat sheet for eight issues. Mm-mm. You shouldn't. You and shouldn't. I, I like I pride myself on giving 
a good cold read mm -hmm. to things when we do stuff like this because I know you guys have the canon down and I'm sort of the fresh set of eyes on things most of the time and that's a good way to put the fact that I don't know anything right but um <laughs> but yeah in this case I was like I can't make sense of it either because I need to know the stuff and so mm -hmm. it was a little bit it was like too smart it was a little too um, smart I find finding out about this more interesting than this yes you know what I mean yes yeah I got more excited about the idea of this than the actual execution of it that's yeah. where I am too Oh, it's a difficult one this I mean I don't think it I is. would recommend I don't think I would recommend it because there's just so much to recommend isn't there there's so much I would be worried that they'd be put off and I wouldn't want them to be put yeah, off of him yeah I just finally before we go we've not mentioned the art uh Richard mm -hmm. Isanov 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 how do you say that Tim <laughs> I don't know I yeah I think it's Isanov but I I don't know I liked it. I thought it was good. It looked kind of cinematic. I always love a good period drama, you know, mm -hmm. sort of like what this was. So when you set something in 1602, you already have piqued my interest for those reasons alone. Right. And so I thought it carried off rather well. I definitely enjoyed the art too. I found myself, um, how can I put it? There were some points where the exposition was so heavy that I was like, oh, just write it and put an illustration next to it for god's sake but and then other places where the the art really carried the story and i think i enjoyed the places where it helped carry the story more mm. i um, i don't think so like you said it got enough. cinematic i i don't feel like it went far enough you know, like the covers that look of that age i wanted it to mm. have a more distinguishable like it weren't giving vibes it was still comic art if you know what i mean yeah, I do you know what you mean? Like, yeah, you it's know like how a... Mike Del Mundo drew Weird World, and that was just a match made in heaven. You know, the very mm -hmm. painterly and expressive way that Mike Del Mundo draws. I think the coloring does a lot of the heavy lifting on this. It gives it the atmosphere of the dank and the dark and the murky, and it's all very clean, very clean. I wanted it to be a little bit messy in a way. A little bit incoherent, in, but in a good sort of way. Like, it like, would have been. like um, sketchy. I want a bit of sketchiness to it. You're like Cressy when yeah. we did Cressy, like from hell, like from hell, from hell, or when we did Cressy when that drawn yeah. the illustration mm -hmm. style of the day. Oh yeah, which, I love that. That was sick. I would recommend reading Cressy and not this. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, all right then. I, I mean, I ain't got much more to say of you two. Nope. All right. Bid farewell then, please, Tim. Uh, dear listener, it's been a pleasure, and um, we'll see you next week with our next installment of the Neil Gaiman Month. I'm excited um, for this one. And what is I'm the excited next too. One, Tim? We're doing. We are indeed. Yes, that is definitely <laughs> what we're doing. We're doing the and novel, the film, and the comic. We are indeed, yes. Unless I have a breakdown and then we won't be doing anything. <laughs> yes, same, same. <laughs> yeah, put me in that pile with you. Yeah, God, it's what a ramshackle. What a ramshackle bag of emotions the three of us are, eh? Oh, oh my goodness. Fucking hell. <laughs> oh, well, sometimes life just kicks you in the cunt and you've got to get on with it. That's all. That's I what can... I always say. That's, that's... <laughs> what I'm starting to realize I go to bed and think tomorrow's always a different day and remember people 
if you're not feeling quite yourself, that's all right. People do have little moments where you can despair and whatnot, but speak to somebody, reach out, because there's always somebody that's thinking about you and you'll never know until you ask. We'll finish it off on that note. Bye. I'm going to resist the urge to just say that. We're going to sing so long farewell. Um, Yeah, it's really good to be here with you guys as usual. And I'm looking forward to seeing you again sooner than later. Super. Thank you, Tara. And yeah, that only leaves me. I'm Matt, part of the regular co-hosting team. Thank you, Tara, for joining us. Thank you, Tim, for getting up so blooming early all the time for the podcast. It is my pleasure. Thanks for accommodating me. And I love and care about you both deeply and on that note i will say thanks for listening and go and check us out you know have, have you even followed yet have you subscribed because we get a lot of unique viewers and it's we don't get that many listeners on spotify they're roughly the same numbers but it seems like it's different people each time come on people this one's been a bit ramshackled but we're going through some stuff at the minute. And to be honest, we all turned up and you should just be grateful for that. So can you just like do us one favor? And one thing that will brighten my day is you clicking like or telling someone that you've just discovered this podcast and it's fucking great. So please do that. Please. Like you listen to me now and you still ain't done it. What's what's wrong with you? It's free. Yeah. It's free. Fucking entertainment, you pious piece of shit. <laughs> 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 Fucking hit the button. <laughs> All right. Okay. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. YouTube, the end, one shots. If you found us there, then we are on all your favorite listening locations. The Twitter and the gram, we are the end underscore pod. And that only leaves me one thing more to say. We have been, and this is the end. The dark days, as my friend says. Got a bit of coffee in my mustache.